Brilliant. Well, good morning. Great to see you all. Happy New Year. I trust that you have been blessed already this morning through our times of worship and uh, the time of uh, just praying off Joanna. It's so exciting and really fits in with what we're looking at. We're looking at our vision for the year and very much our vision as a church is to be a people who love God and love people and uh, take the good news that we know and to share it with others both here and throughout the world. And so this is another opportunity. Joanna going to Kurdistan is another, another way we're taking their hope to other parts of the world. So first and foremost, before we look at what we're look, doing particularly and what God's calling us to in 2020, just to say these banners on the stage still remain what we are as a church and what we're about. Our vision to seek God's presence in all we do, to be community, to be family together, and to be their hope, to have those culture traits amongst us when we gather, and also that they become so part of who we are that we can't help but spill them out wherever we go, in our families, our workplaces, on the streets. We want to be living those out. Our goals are to be influential, international, and integrated, and to have those values, those key things that underpin everything we do in terms of grace, worship, word, church, and mission. So those all very much are still part of who we are. And New Year, it was interesting, uh, Darren asked me yesterday, what, uh, what are you hoping for? Are you, are you looking forward to the New Year? And for me, it's one of those New Year's, not, I don't often kind of mark it particularly. I, don't, I know lots of people get very excited about New Year's Eve parties. I kind of am grateful if I make it to 11 o'clock and call it done. But New Year's, it's an opportunity to stop, isn't it? And to look back, to look at what, what has happened in the previous year, to recognise God's hand at work, and then to look forward in expectation what he's going to do. And last year as a church, I stood here and set out before you how our vision was actually to be God himself, to seek him. And we had our key verse, be still and know that I am God, which is Psalm 46, verse 10. Hopefully, if you've been around a while, that should be something you're very familiar with. And when I was contemplating where we were to go this year, what God was calling us to, actually, it started back in August when I was on, on my break. I just felt God say, well, next year is 2020. This year is 2020. And you can't think, well, I can't think of 2020 without thinking about vision about our eyes, about where we're looking. And so our vision for 2020 has to be 2020 vision. Has to be 2020 vision. God wants us to see him more clearly over the course of the year than we have before. That's what we're going, that's what we're running after. He wants us to stick with what we've had, actually, in terms of our key verse for last year, be still and know that I am God. I believe there's more for us to learn on that. There's more for us to come to know about what that verse really is about in our lives. I don't think it's just me. I know I'm not there yet, but I think all of us have more we can grow in being still and know that God is God. Because as we see God more clearly, we get to know him better We get to know ourselves better. We get to know his perspectives on different things around us, on different situations. And as we get to know and we see God better, we get better at double listening. What I mean by that is knowing 
what God, what the Bible says about situations and what the world is saying about it and then bring God's hope into those situations. But we can only do that well if we know who God is and see him at work. Jesus himself said, I only do what I see the Father doing. He regularly made sure he was stopping to see his Father and what he was doing. Do you know, 2020 vision... I don't know, when I think of 2020 vision, I always thought it meant you had perfect eyesight. It doesn't actually mean that. It means you have normal vision, normal eyesight. And actually seeing God should be normal for us. It should be our normal vision. I always, uh, I, I have my eye test, I guess like most of us do every couple of years. And you go in there and you sit in the chair and you're just hoping your eyes haven't changed that much, your prescription's not going to change because obviously you don't have to buy more glasses. And, but you sit there, and one of the things I find most uh, amusing is when they're putting the different lenses in front of you, and they go, one, and they flip it around, or two. One, or two. And you're sat there going, I really can't tell. I can't see any different. And you end up sitting there, should I just guess? Uh, two, two. I'll go for two with that one, yeah. And then you get the next one. Three or four. I don't know, they're the same. Three or four. Uh, Four. And you just hope it's actually getting down to the prescription you need. But I was thinking, if you were accidentally just guessing or, you know, not really thinking about it, you could end up getting further and further away from your prescription and end up with really quite blurry, unhelpful glasses. And I think in our day-to-day lives, we can make decisions every moment to either see God more clearly or to end up with a blurry vision and not being able to see him. And we might not even notice. It could be down to those one or two. Well, I don't really think, I don't really know what's going to make. It's only a little tiny, tiny decision. But if we keep going that way, we can end up far from him. And at the beginning of 2020, God's saying, come back, come and see me more clearly. Because while we can't see God generally, we don't see him physically, he's, he's shown in all sorts of different ways. He's, you know, we see him throughout the Bible. That's one of the best ways of seeing God, is making sure we immerse ourselves in Scripture. We see him in different situations. We see him at work if we have eyes to see. We see him in the people around us, in our family, our friends, our, even complete strangers. God can show himself through them. We can see him as we step out in faith. But so often we miss and we don't see God at work. We don't see him clearly. And what I want us to do this morning over these next few minutes is look at some reasons why we might not see God very clearly and then what we can do about it. And you will find as we go through, there is some obvious overlap with some of these reasons. And there is also considerable repetition, but I make no apology of that because God wants us to get hold of something. He wants us to get hold of the fact that he is the whole thing we should be focused on. He should consume our vision. So let's have a little look. I was thinking, you know, in the physical realm, what might stop us seeing something clearly? And then what might that mean for in terms of spiritually, why we don't see God clearly? So first of all, problem one, it could simply be down to rushing around to busyness. You know, when you're on a train or in a car going fast, you look out the window and you can't make out the images because like on the screen there, it's just rushing past so fast. 
you can't make out. You can maybe make out something far off that you can focus on, but generally it's going so fast, you just can't see it. Or if you're trying to take a photo, but you're actually walking along, you look back at the image after and say, oh dear, it didn't have time to actually focus in, it's all blurry. And when we're going so fast, we miss things. We don't see what we need to see. And I think actually, for us, this is probably one of the most common and biggest reasons why we don't see God clearly. Life is busy, isn't it? There's always so much to do. For those of you who, like me, love to-do lists, we always have so many things on them and we never get to the bottom of it. And when the paper gets scrappy that we write and we have to transfer it all over because we haven't got through it and there's always things to do. We're always rushing around from one thing to another and in the busyness, we can miss God. I want to recommend a couple of books to you this morning on this area because I think it's so important and so key for us that we recognise and then do something about it. First one we've mentioned before, Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. Not a very big book, so if you are busy, even you might have time for it. In fact, as his little uh, extra subtitle, subheading says, a mercifully short book about a really big problem. Very open, very easy to read, but challenging as well to make you stop and think. He's a pastor in the States who is recognising this, this, this busyness, this rushing around hinders our walk with God. And then uh, a relatively new book came out in October last year. Again, brilliantly uh, written book by John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And he looks at this whole issue and then makes some really practical suggestions about what we can do about it and reclaim the good things God wants for us, but only by stopping and slowing down. We rush, 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 don't we? We rush around everywhere. There's always so much to be done. And we can take the attitude, I think so many of us do, that you know, when we've done and finished certain things, then, then we'll give time to God. Then we'll do that. When I've finished my studies, when I've finished school, when I've got my degree, when I've got that promotion, when the house is decorated, when I've done the housework, when I've finished my to-do list, when the kids have left home, when I'm retired, then I will give God more time. But guess what? Life is always busy. After whatever milestone or, or, or deadline you set, there'll be another thing that comes along. We need to make the conscious decision to slow down. John, John Mark Comer in his book says, Corrie ten Boone once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. There's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut you off from your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. So problem number one that stops us from seeing God clearly is that we can't, we're simply too busy. Too busy. And I think, you know, for many of us, if we're honest, yeah, that, that, that's, that's me. That's certainly me. I, I frequently have to stop and think, whoa, what am I doing here? So the solution to this is obvious. It's to slow down. It's to slow down. It's that very cute little picture there. To stop, to pause, to see what God's doing. Dallas Willard says this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. 
you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life, which is where John Mark Comer got the title for the book. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. If you think about it, any relationship requires time to go deep. You can't expect to form deep relationships with anyone in your family or friends, work colleagues, whoever it might be, in snatched little seconds here and there. It just doesn't work. It takes time. And it's the same with God. If we want to build a relationship with God, if we want to be able to see him clearly, we need to slow down. We need to be still and know that God is God. Pause to see him. Build it in. We need to ask God to show us more and more of who he is and what he's doing, but also then stop and wait for an answer. Let me read you a little snippet from this book. In Luke's Gospel in particular, you can chart Jesus' life along two axes. The busier and more in demand and famous Jesus became, and the more he withdrew to his quiet place to pray. Usually for us, it's the exact opposite. When we get over busy and life is hectic and people are vying for our attention, that quiet place is the first thing to go rather than our first go-to. The first thing we lose is unhurried time to just sit with God in the quiet, to pray, read a psalm, take an internal inventory, let our souls catch up to our bodies. In seasons of busyness, We need more time in the quiet place, not less. Definitely not less. And if you're running through your excuses right now, I'm a full-time man, I have a demanding job that starts early, I'm an extrovert, I have ADHD, etc. Stop for a minute. Think about this. Jesus needed time in the quiet place. I repeat, Jesus needed time. What he's saying there is, you know, as Jesus led an incredibly busy ministry on earth, doing all sorts of things, his, the demands on him, the crowds were growing, he saw the essential need of drawing aside and being still. We see it throughout the Gospels, him ministering, him drawing away to the solitary place, him ministering, him being in the quiet place over and over again. And yet so often for us, as he's there saying there, is we see busyness and busyness and, and, and the other side just gets lost. We need to slow down, establish rhythms in our lives where we pause, where we stop. And I would suggest, yeah, holidays are good, times out are good, having regular retreats if you're able to, taking, taking Sabbaths, taking a day a week where you're not expected to work, you're not doing jobs, you're not filling them with things, but also even just day by day, taking time to stop and pause. You know, for different, different ones of us, it might be different points. For me, I find it helpful to start the day in silence, in pause, to come before God, I, I read, read some scripture, pray, sit in a quiet place, sit downstairs in our house, either with just a dim light or a candle, just quietly pausing. 
And that might not be possible for other ones of you, but I, I encourage you, find a point where you can draw aside to be with the Father. If we continue to be busy, we're not going to see God clearly. We need to stop building those times. Another opportunity just to stop and think in terms of, and be, be reflective, I guess, building that into our lives, is to, to have moments where you take time to thank God for things, to stop. You know, we said at the end of, end of each year, people often look back at the year, yeah, thank God for this. Thing. Why not regularly do that? As a family, we've just uh, started uh, having a gratitude jar. So what we're doing throughout this year is when something comes up that we, we're really grateful for, whether it's an event we've been able to go to or a time we've had together, whatever it might be, we're just going to jot it down and pop it in here. And then on New Year's Eve in 2020, we're going to open the jar and read them out. It's a time of just stopping and reflecting. It's building in simple things that enable us to stop and slow down. Otherwise, we're always going on to the next thing and we will not see God clearly. So that's the first problem, busyness, rushing around, solution, slow down and pause. Look for those regular opportunities to do so. Secondly, we don't always see because there's something in the way. There's obstacles that get in the way. You've got here a photo uh, from the Louvre with the Mona Lisa hanging up there. You probably can't see the Mona Lisa, nor could the person taking this photograph because there were too many people in the way and phones things in the way. Often we can't see something clearly because there's something physically blocking it. It might be people, it might be objects, it might be buildings. You turn up at your ideal hotel destination only to find your window overlooks a building that has been built blocking the sea view that you thought you'd booked. Or you go to the theatre or the cinema and you end up sat behind a really tall person. For someone versatile challenged like me, that happens quite frequently. To be fair, they can't put their legs in. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we all have our own challenges, don't we? But sometimes you can't see because there's physically something blocking the view to what you need to get to. And I think spiritually, that can be life's cares and worries. Things come along and they take up, they get in the way of us seeing God because we're just overwhelmed with the things around us. Or it might even be the pleasures. It might be things around us. It might not be bad things and worries. It might be things that are, are very exciting and, and, and great, but stopping us from seeing God. And Jesus talked of something about that when he was talking about the sower and he talked about the seeds that fell along the thorns and the thorns were the, the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. They were getting in the way. What is it crowding God out from your life? What is getting in the way? Is that an issue why you don't see clearly? I know for me sometimes it is. Things come up and they stop me from seeing. But the solution to having things in the way is to move them out the way, if you can, or to move your position, move yourself. You know, that man couldn't very well move all those people out of the way. It'd be a bit rude. So he found a new position and he was able to see the Mona Lisa just around to the side. So sometimes we need to move the things. We need to declutter. 
I know lots of people at the beginning of the new year, they physically declutter houses and things like that. They get rid of stuff that's been building up. But I think God wants us to sometimes also look at our spiritual lives. Do we need to declutter, get rid of some things that are in the way? Because actually, saying yes to God will inevitably mean us having to say no to some other things. Because we are finite beings. We have limited capacity. And if we're going to say yes to God, other things are going to have to go. We can't, can't have it all. But why would we want anything else? God is the pearl. He is the great treasure. We need to position ourselves in front of God so that we're able to see him clearly without the obstacles, without things in the way. Make a point of reading the Bible. That is one of the easiest ways to see God is by studying his word, spending time in it. Build that in regularly into your life. Make sure you're feeding regularly on it. Praying. Coming to church, being around his people, seeing him at work. Be still and know that I am God. So maybe for you it isn't busyness. Maybe it's that there are just things blocking the way. Or maybe it's that you're too far away. That can be another reason why we don't see things clearly. That the distance, we're just too far. You can't see tiny little objects when you're a long way off from things. It's just not physically possible. You know, just about make out a boat on the sea there. Tiny little speck. But obviously, if the boat was much nearer to us or we got much nearer to the boat, we'd be able to see it. God is always near. He's always close, but we can distance ourselves. You know, it might be through sin that you end up feeling distant from God. It might be through disappointment. Things have happened, which I don't want anything to do with you, God. This has gone on in my life. You know, there could be all sorts of reasons, but we end up feeling distant from God. Choose, simply choosing things that gradually take us away, like that one or two, one or two. We make decisions that end leading us away from God. Or maybe we hold on to, you know, scriptures that say God is in heaven, as Jesus taught. Our Father, in heaven, you focus on that, but in heaven, therefore God must be far away, and I'm just going to settle for that. Yes, God is in heaven, but he's also imminent. He's also right here with us. How do, we, how do we deal with the issue of distance? Well, we need to make the decision to come nearer to God, to position ourselves near him. James 4 verse 8 says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Seek him out. You know, one of God's names is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. It's one for you, James, I reckon. With, your, with the cool T-shirts you have, I think that could be another one there, yeah. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Pro- Proverbs 8 verse 17 says, I love those who love me, this is God speaking, and those who seek me find me. Those who seek me find me. You know, he's not a God who teases He delights in us looking and running after him and he comes rushing to meet us. 
Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If we're feeling distant from God, if, if that is what's making us not see God clearly, then choose to come near to him. Spend time in his presence. Be proactive in seeking him. You've got opportunities this week. We can do it together. Monday, that's tomorrow, as David said. Tuesday, that's the day after. And Wednesday, the day after that, 8 o'clock or 7.34, 8 o'clock at the offices. Opportunity to come together and be in his presence. It's making those sorts of decisions to put yourself before God. <coughs> be still and know that I am God. Another reason why we might not see clearly is we're focusing on the wrong things. Classic. Anyone ever taken a photo like this? Trying to focus on the beautiful flower and the camera's gone to the grass behind it. We can end up focusing on the wrong things and therefore not see God clearly. You know, the things in our lives might be good things, but they're not the best things. You know, you think of Mary and Martha. Those of you who know the story, Jesus was at a house, some good friends, Mary and Martha. But they had very different attitudes to what was going on. One was very busy organising everything. The other chose to sit at Jesus' feet. They got distracted if I'm honest, I'm quite like that. I get distracted easily. I have great intentions. You know, I sit down to pray. 30 seconds sometimes. My mind wanders off. Oh, I could really do with that coffee. Oh, I wonder what, wonder what, I'm gonna, what I've got to get done today. Whatever it might be. My mind wanders. I have every intention. My mind wanders. We can get distracted. Lose focus to come back again. Now, even in, in preparing this preach, I, I got distracted. I, I suddenly had to obviously organise some photos on my laptop. Why? Why did I need to do that at that moment in time? I could have done that later. Or I had to rewrite my to-do list. <laughs> things come up, don't they? We get easily distracted. We can focus on the wrong things. They might not necessarily be bad things, although they can be, but they're not the best thing. Kevin DeYoung, in his book, picks up on this idea of distractions. And talking about Mary and Martha, he says this, the crux of the whole story, Martha, you are freaking out, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the good portion. She is sitting at my feet to learn and to worship. I'm not going to take that away from her. Your busyness is not wrong, but it is not best. Granted, we shouldn't take this episode as a blueprint for every moment of every day. If God expects us to do nothing but sit cross-legged on the floor and write in our journals, the Bible could have been much smaller. <laughs> Mary's example is not a summons to the contemplated life in a cloister somewhere, but it's a pretty strong reminder that we had better keep first things first. For my money, the most important word in the whole story is distracted in verse 40. Martha isn't doing anything bad. She's just being pulled away from what is better. 
she is so busy with dinner that she's giving Jesus her spiritual leftovers. Personally, I have the palate of a four-year-old and don't like most food the first time round, and I really don't care for leftovers. But that's what we give to God when we don't keep first things first. He's not glaring at us from heaven when we have a hectic day, and yet he knows that we are missing out on the good portion. It's not enough to let God's stuff fill the cracks during the day. Sitting at the feet of Jesus never just happens. We must make learning from him and taking time to be with him a priority. The priority, in fact. If someone recorded your life for a week and then showed it to a group of strangers, what would they guess is the good portion in your life? What would they conclude is the one thing you must get done every day? Folding the laundry, cleaning the house, catching up on emails, posting to Facebook, mowing the lawn, watching the game. I know you have things to do. I have plenty to do myself. But out of all the concerns in our lives, can we honestly say and show that sitting at the feet of Jesus is the one thing that is necessary? Ouch. It's so easy to get distracted, to focus on the wrong things. And when we do that, we end up not seeing clearly. We're not seeing God clearly. John Mark Comer comments on a similar idea to this and uh, gives an even more scary statistic. Our attention span is dropping with each passing year. In 2000, before the digital revolution, it was 12 seconds. So it's not exactly like we had a lot of wiggle room. But since then, it's dropped to eight seconds. To put things in perspective, a goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. Yes, that's right, we're losing to the goldfish. The odds are not in our favour. There are literally thousands of apps and devices intentionally engineered to steal your attention. It's so easy to focus on the wrong things and get distracted. I think along with busyness, this is one of the other main reasons why we don't see God clearly in our current time. The solution is to refocus, is to refocus. In our way of helping horses to focus on their, their uh, work was to put the blinkers on. So they had to see what was going on in front and weren't distracted by what was going on around them. You know, we need to make a conscious decision. I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to put, make sure he is the, the priority, as Kevin DeYoung was saying in, his, in that quote I read. It takes determination. It takes discipline. We need to discipline ourselves. Now I'm going to choose to come back before God. It takes time. Be still and know that I am God. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about God. Colossians 3.2 speaks about this determination. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind. Hebrews 12, 2, a similar idea. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
Psalm 16, verse 6. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. You know, if we're going to focus on God and not get distracted by other things, it takes a commitment to come back over and over again, to reset, to stop that drift. We need to limit or reduce our distractions. For different ones of us, it'll be different things that distract us. You know, it may well be our mobile phones. It may well be our family. It may well be our jobs. There's all sorts of things that are vying for our attention. But first and foremost, it should be God. Having those regular times of silence and solitude, taking ourselves away as Jesus did. When and where, when and where might work for you to have times of silence and solitude, to shut off those notifications. You know, we go, when you go to a show or you go and see something, people say, make sure your phone, please turn your phones off or turn them on silent. Why don't you have that attitude throughout the day, throughout the week with God? I'm going to turn my phone to silent. I'm going to turn other things off so that I can focus on the good portion. Fifth reason why we might not see God clearly is maybe we're actually blinded by the light. Blinded by the light. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, physically, particularly on those days when the sun decides to be out rather than behind clouds, we can get blinded, can't we? We've been in a, maybe in a dark room and suddenly the sun comes in. We've had it happen occasionally in church here. Uh, just the other week, the sun made an appearance uh, and I was sat over there and, and it was coming through a crack and I couldn't see then what was happening at the front because the, I was blinded by the light. When, in the winter, winter sun, when we're driving around and it's very, very low, it cuts in, doesn't it? And you can't see properly, you get the glare. Creatures that live underground, they hide from the light because their eyes aren't used to it. They can't cope with the light. I've told this story, I've made this admission before, but when I was teaching, we had a, a new gadget called a visualizer, which essentially is a camera, then projects it onto the screen behind you so that little tiny things, maybe books, if you want to share a story, you can project it up onto the screen and the children could see it with you. Uh, and we were doing, uh, doing a science lesson and uh, I had some earthworms I dug up out of the ground and I thought, oh, rather than passing the earthworms around, trying to protect them that way by getting all the kids' hands on them, I thought, I could put it onto the visualizer and they can all see the earthworms. I'd forgotten that the visualizer worked by shining a really bright light on the patch underneath it. And these poor worms all started to wriggle and react because they're not used to it. They didn't like it. Some of us might be not seeing God clearly because we're blinded by the light. We've spent too long living in the darkness through sinful choices that we continue to make. We've got used to it. We've got content living in that semi-darkness. Actually, it's painful for us. We can't see properly. John 3, 19 to 21 says this, Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light 
and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen clearly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You know, if we continue to sin, we're living in darkness. Jesus has come to bring light and bring freedom, but we maybe struggle because we're living this double life or trying to have the best of both, but it just doesn't work. God wants us to live. We, when, we, when we say yes to him and, and, and become followers of him, we become his children, children of light, but we can still choose to live in the dark lifestyle. And I think maybe for some of us, we don't see God clearly because we're still allowing all these sinful things to carry on in our lives. The solution to that, to being blinded by the light, is actually to linger in the light. It's not to hide away, actually. It's not to go back into the darkness. Oh, it's too much, I can't cope. It's actually to spend longer in the light. Let your eyes get used to it. You know, when you come out of that dark room into the light, yes, it is a bit blind, but when when you're out there, then you get to see all amazing things. And you realise, why was I even staying in the darkness anyway? The answer to be blinded by the light is to spend time in the light. Get used to it again. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, those who've left the darkness behind and who are walking in the light because they will see God. Ephesians 5, 8 to 13. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. If you want to see God more clearly, stop living in the dark. Repent and turn away from those sinful things. Get accountable to someone. Choose someone that you know, that you trust, that you can be open about these things. Actually, yeah, I really do struggle with this, that or the other. Help me to walk free from that. I want to linger in the light and not keep going back into the darkness. Be still and know that I am God. The final reason I can think of is maybe we can't see clearly is actually because we have faulty vision. There's something about our eyes that doesn't quite work properly. You know, in the physical realm, people can't see because their eyes, maybe there's a, something wrong with them. So they, don't, they can't see properly or at all. But in the spiritual, we can be blind too. We can be blind. We need our eyes opening and healing. You know, maybe you're sat here today and you've come along to church but all this is new to you. You don't really know what's been going on. You can come to Jesus today and say, Lord, I want to have my eyes opened. Come and show yourself to me. I want to walk in the light. I want to see you clearly. But even if you've been following Jesus for years, maybe you need him to come and help you afresh. Maybe things are just grown cold in your relationship. You need to cry out, God, draw me close to you. Let me see you afresh. 
Help me open my eyes, bring fresh revelation of who you are and who I am. Because that's the solution to having faulty vision, is coming to the great physician and asking him, heal my eyes. Now Jesus, when he walked the earth, he did that physically for people. And you can read about it in the Gospels. There's one incredible story where he healed a blind man. It's recorded in Mark 8, 22 to 26. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. And what's interesting here, I think it's the only occasion in the Gospels where you seem to have a gradual healing from Jesus. Most of the blind people he encountered and healed, it was instant. But in this one, it seems to come in stages. You know, he first of all began to sort of see images. He describes people like walking around, like trees walking around. And then Jesus speaks to him again and he then sees clearly. So know, spiritually, our vision of God improves the more we remain and abide in him. We might not see God clearly straight away, but the more we seek after him, the more we spend in his presence, we get to see him clearer and clearer. We see him through people around us, see him in the situations, see him in the scriptures. Be still and know that I am God. So as we draw to a close, our 2020 vision is to see God more clearly. It's so important because if we see him clearly, everything falls into the right perspective about ourselves, about those around us, about situations we're in. We need to have the correct, normal vision, God-centred, God-focused vision. Many of us are good at action. We're good at doing things. But we need the vision too. We need God to be centre stage. Joel A. Barker, I've got the next quote on the screen here, said this, Vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision just passes the time. But vision with action can change the world. You and I are called to be world changers. You and I are called to bring hope wherever we go. We can do that if we have God as our vision and we keep going and doing things. We want both vision and action as we go forward. I focused on the vision this morning because most of us are good at the action, but we don't want our actions ever to be out of just duty and a sense of just doing things, but because we want God to be centre and glorified. So I ask you this morning, do you have 2020 vision? Is your normal vision full of God? Or have you got things stopping you seeing him clearly? If like me and you've got all six, you can shout, bingo! But then do something about it. Maybe it's rushing or busyness. Maybe it's obstacles blocking the view. Maybe it's you're too far away, focusing on the wrong things. Maybe you're blinded by the light. Or maybe you need God to bring revelation and open your eyes. 
I hope you're getting the point, whatever the reason might be, be still and know that God is God. Over the next few weeks, we're going to move into a short preaching series, Seeing God More Clearly. And we're going to look at different aspects of who he is. We're also going to have some time focusing on prayer because that's an incredible way of helping us into seeing God more clearly. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing a song to finish. And as they come up, I'd like us to pray this old prayer written by Richard, the Bishop of Chichester, many, many hundreds of years ago, but still so true and so good. So let's stand, let's pray this together, and then we're going to sing, Be Thou My Vision. Day by day, dear Lord, of you three things I pray, to see you more clearly, love you more dearly, follow you more nearly, day by day. Amen. Amen.